Hello, my beautiful soul, sisters. It is a brand new day. It is a brand new week. There are many things to share. Today, I really wanted to share with you about my journey with special needs and my kiddos and sisterhood and life. So if you feel called to open your heart, join me today. I'm so grateful for you. I love you. And please share this today. And it means so much to me. If you head over to iTunes and you could leave Awaken You with Shelly, if you could just click a five-star rating and leave a review, it would be amazing and help me share this because I want to share and grow. I love you. I'm grateful for you. Hi, I'm Shelly. Welcome to my show. One of my many roles is a mama, a wife, a house manager, a yoga teacher, an intuitive healer, a spiritual practitioner, and a writer. As many of us can resonate with, we wear so many hats throughout the day. On this podcast, here is the space I've created for women to help us grow and help us to awaken to what really matters, to tune into ourselves, flaws and all, to embrace that healing is a journey, it is not the end point. I'm here to hold space, to share my ugly truths in hopes to invite you to awaken to yours. I want you to know that you are not alone. I am right here walking this path with you. Good morning, my ladies, or afternoon or evening, whenever you're listening to this. I wanted to start out sharing with you, I have this beautiful, inspirational book that actually my daughter and my niece found in one of those lovely little libraries that you find in people's front yards where you leave a book and take a book. And my daughter found this book for me. It's beautiful. And it's called Everyday Gratitude inspiration for living life as a gift. And so what I love to do in this book, most books, is I like to just flip and then just trust that the first page that I come to is exactly the message that I need to hear. So let's do this. We are this beautiful watercolored background with deep purplies and mauvies, magentas and orange little fluffs of watercolor. And in this beautiful, white, flowy writing, it says, As I express my gratitude, I become more deeply aware of it. And the greater my awareness, the greater my need to express it. And that is from Brother David Steinrast. I don't know who that is. And so in this book, there is like the majority of the page, like one-tenth of the page is the beautiful quote and then the bottom is like this heart reflection so just take a moment ground your energy if you don't know what that means just maybe close your eyes or just imagine roots shooting down or a light beaming down into the earth allow that energy to come back up take a big breath in send the energy down allow it to spiral all the way up where it melts in with your heart And if you could imagine from straight up above from the universe, allow a white light, a golden shower to sprinkle down the top of your head and join that energy from your heart, connecting you to the earth, to the cosmos, to the ethers, to the universe, to love, light, to God, to whatever resonates with you. And you can put a hand on your heart and you can ask, what happens when I express my gratitude rather than simply feel it? What happens when I express my gratitude rather than simply feel it? 
Mm, just pause there. I think of there's this magnificent amount of opportunities in a day to give gratitude. And so on today's topic of sharing this special needs journey with my kiddos, I had a meeting with my son's school. He's in fifth grade, Milo, as we are suspecting that he has a learning challenge. You can call it whatever label that you want it, but his eyes are picking up things differently and he's struggling with reading and it can be a form of dyslexia. And so I'm thinking of, I've had these meetings before for my daughter since she was like three and it's just been a thing. And it's interesting because my son's so much older. I just thought like, oh, he's just on his path and he has like a quote unquote normal brain. Well, he doesn't. He has this like creative, beautiful, amazing mind that is an amazing mind that in moments the ego says, oh my gosh, there's something wrong. And in moments of heart connection like this, where you can give gratitude of the beautiful miraculousness of this mind, of this beautiful soul who was put on this planet with this different kind of mind that who can go climb like a 500 foot wall with ropes because please ropes Milo and has no fear who loves it who's free who's expressive who is amazing and as I was sitting at the table with all of these people and it was really great the way that they start this meeting and this meeting they open up to what are your son's strengths and to just hear all the wonderful things that the people were saying about my son, like his reading interventionist and the principal and his teacher and just saying like how kind and respectful and friendly and social and Milo can look at adults in the eyes and have a very mature conversation. They were saying he was like far more mature than any fifth grader, which was amazing because as his mom, he shows me way different amounts. We've actually been struggling with respect of adults and not cussing around adults and holding it together around your family and being as kind as you're being to everyone else. But I'm so grateful that he is this way at school. I'm not saying that I want him to be a fart face anytime, but he's kind of farty for his family. But at school, he just like, he really just like holds his own and he's his own person. He's strong and he's wise and he is struggling with reading and he's struggling with math, but he's just like this awesome, amazing kid. And I'm so grateful to be his mom. And no matter what challenges may come or are here, I'm here doing the work. I'm doing the hard things. And sometimes it's like taking the steps and sending the emails and then making sure I make it to a meeting on time and sit there. And and now they're going to put him through this process of kind of just like testing pretty much through the school and they have 60 days to evaluate him and then see how we can help him further Uh, because this summer actually have a full like professional diagnosis meeting but it's not not meeting but evaluation it's until July that's how booked out people are so there are lots of special amazing minds out there and I remember when I first found out that my daughter had quote unquote special needs. It was like she was three, which is so crazy to even like label a little three year old with she had like they called it dyspraxia back then. Uh, It was because she wasn't speaking. And we had this like 
heart connection. And I didn't need her to speak because she would point and throw fits. And I just knew her. I knew what she wanted. I knew what she needed. She knew me. We connected. um, And her journey, Junie's journey started there. And then she got kind of labeled with the special needs back then, which again, I quote unquote, because these are things that are just labels. And for me, the labels are only a way, a source of information to help in the learning environment to get the help that they need. Because in the outside world, none of that really matters. And it's, again, like these labels, I feel like can hinder kids more than they can help them. So I don't like be like, hey, special needs kids, which is so interesting because when I first wrote like the first draft of my book, every time I referred to my daughter, I referred to her as my special needs daughter. And I remember my mom read my book and she was like, Junie is not like special needs. You don't need to always be labeling her. Like she has special things, but you don't need to say that every single time you talk about her. And I was like, oh, I didn't even realize I was doing that, but I think it was just the journey I was on. And the the labeling that just kind of like took hold of me. And it's so interesting how these labels we adopt and then we're like, this is who I am. This is who this person is and they can never change. How many of us really know the truth of that? Like, are we always changing and evolving and growing? Look at my daughter from three to 13. Like she is a completely different person. She's like a woman now, whether I want to admit it or not, she is becoming a freaking woman with a woman body and a strong will and a strong mind of her own. And yeah. And there's just like, there's so many beautiful moments with these special minds, with these special children who see the world differently and think differently. And Junie always struggled. She went to this Waldorf inspired charter school. And even in that environment where it wasn't as like super academic driven, she struggled with like stomach aches and headaches and meltdowns and she would surprisingly always hold it together in the classroom and just be this sweet little peep but she would get home and just be like and just like I said like my head my stomach and she sometimes still does that when she goes to her once a week homeschool enrichment program and I know it's because she is this highly sensitive empath and she absorbs all of the energy and emotions of her environment. If you know what I'm talking about, empath is us, again, highly sensitive people who just feel, we feel so big. We feel so much. Sometimes being an empath can be this great strength, but it also can be a great weakness because as a kid, I am a lot like my daughter and I take on, I can walk into a room and just like gut someone's guilt or shame or whatever gross, low vibes that are hanging out, they'll just become a part of who I am. Or if you're in an uncomfortable situation and instead of maybe speaking, you just gulp it down and then that energy grows, grows, grows. And then again, it manifests and transmutes maybe in stomach aches or headaches or just like I always wanted to run away and go into a quiet room and be alone. Like I've always been this introvert and solitude has been my way of coping. And I noticed my daughter is very very, very similar. And when Junie was 10, we decided to just like, I don't, I think it was the whole reading. It was the reading thing. It was like, there's something happening with reading. And I, 
I feel like the universe gave me so many signs, like hearing parents talk about their son or daughter who had dyslexia. And I actually had another friend who had a gifted and talented daughter. And excuse me, there's a, there's a little floaty hair that's like floating on my microphone. So I'm trying to blow it away. And I remember her daughter was like three ages kind of more advanced than the class that she was in. And her mom said that mentally and emotionally that she was in, it was in my son Milo's class at the time and she wanted to keep her there, but her brain academically, like she needed more challenge. She needed harder math. She need like, she was like, and it was interesting because my daughter Junie is the opposite. Her brain more is three to four grades behind from where her emotional state is, which Emotionally, though, too, sometimes my daughter really connects with younger girls, but she's such this old and wise, connected soul who is just, she's a guardian angel. Like, she's straight from whatever you call it, the heavens, the ethers, the universe. Like, she's so connected, and the universe gave her these gifts of being this huge empath, this huge intuitive But also in this life, the universe gave her this kind of, mm, she develops in her own way. Her brain is slower to develop, slower to process. She has a very slow processing speed. And coming to the labels that help us, for me, I had to really learn to decipher these labels of special needs and what they were into how they can help And when we did all this testing when she was 10, it was, again, to figure out it was mostly for this dyslexia thing. And then I remember for the testing, they said, well, it's an extra $500 if you want to test for autism. And I kept thinking, yeah, that would be nice. No, we don't need to test for that. Like, no, she's like so many people have said, oh, she's not autistic because she's sociable. And 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 then I just had this feeling like, okay, we're just going to test for that. And so when we had that kind of sit down, that big sit down talk, I actually wrote a chapter in my book about sitting in that room with Dr. Liz and Rex on this two person sofa and just like same feeling kind of like with Milo. It's like, I'm like here, but then you kind of float out of your body and the worries of like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do with this? And she goes through all the testing and some of it is kind of like over your head and you're like, I don't really know what you're talking about. But we did find out that Junie has dyslexia and there's many different kinds. And for Junie, it's the words just kind of move on her. They move and sometimes the words disappear and they omit. And so you could imagine when you're trying to read a book at whatever. So she's at the seventh grade level. Well, she's at a seventh grade age, but her brain is like, okay, I can read this second grade level. And I've had to learn, right, that this diagnosis, again, is just this way of information to help me meet her where she is and coming to terms with that it's okay for her to be here reading these second grade, sometimes third grade books when she is, quote unquote, in that seventh grade level. And that's a huge reason why I homeschool is because I'm meeting her where she is. This is where she is. And this was another interesting part about Junie's diagnoses was she kind of started talking about this intellectual disability and I had no idea what that was 
And then she said it and it kind of just like slipped over the top. And I was like, I don't know anything about that. So it didn't affect me. Isn't that interesting? When you don't know about something, it doesn't really affect you because you're like, huh, okay, whatever that is. And then she was explaining some things about our IQ that I really honestly didn't know. And she said, an intellectual disability starts at a 70 or below, or maybe it's 69. I think it's a 69 or a 70 or below. And Junie's IQ at the time of testing at 10 years old was at a 71. So she said, she's like this borderline. She was like one or two above it. So she said, we're not going to right now diagnose her with an intellectual disability, but if you hear that in the future, just know it's because this is kind of where she is. And so at the time when I didn't know, I just kind of like blew that off. And then when I went home, of course, I do did what most of us do, get on Google, which is probably like the worst thing you can do. But knowledge isn't power, like this false perception that people tell us, like knowledge gives you power. No, knowledge gives us understanding and understanding carves these clear pathways so we know what to do with it. So with this understanding, and I was reading, okay, so what is a quote unquote normal, advanced, what are these IQs? What do they mean? So IQ, I was reading kind of an average IQ is around 100 or 100, right? A genius IQ can be like 130 to what, like huge genius, 160. And then below that 100 threshold, down, 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 right, where the intellectual disability sits, I think it is a 70. And who knows, these things could have changed because this was three years ago. It was like right before COVID hit too. And... I just had to like sit with that and then just like you read all the stories and a lot of times we see intellectual disabilities in people who may have been diagnosed with Down syndrome or have like severe mental disorders or other other disabilities that really impact the psyche and the mind and that's like your cognitive abilities. So how that transmutes into Junie is that her cognitive abilities are just she is again a slower processor and she processes at her own pace but she's also a bright brilliant genius and she's so creative so yes her mind flips and flops numbers and letters and math is really hard for her but she can look you like deep into your soul she can connect with you in this like moment she can read a deck of oracle cards or tarot or tarot cards like from this just like soul like she is such a wise soul and so her path is so different and all these things these labels that label her as special needs they don't define her they don't make me I don't look at her every day and be like and I will tell you so when we finally kind of rolled up and she was talking about math and whatever math just it was like oh disability disability I'm like okay okay I'm like trying to like track these and then in my mind it's kind of like playing it fast forward and like oh that makes sense oh that makes sense why math is so hard oh it makes sense why she can't read oh it makes sense why blah 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 and then she gets to like the the ending part of like the autism testing and and then she kind of goes through this kind of spiel and she's talking about how like the average boy with autism shows these very definitive things that maybe we think of autism, how it's like 
um, very cold to people, can't connect with people. Some people with a severe autism cannot speak at all. Some are like the savant. They used to call them idiot savants. I don't know what the term is now. Like those genius people with autism who can just like rain man, just like remember facts from like what day of the week was Tuesday of 1982. And they'll be like, it was... I don't, you know what I mean? Like they just like these brilliant, marvelous minds. And, um, so, oh, but what she was saying was that sometimes like we think of male, like autism is more like of a male dominant thing, especially with boys. And then that they can be really aggressive or really rude. And there's this, like, maybe you've seen it or heard it, it like hand flapping or jumping or like this very specific behavior that a child with autism would um, be like it fall into this category or if they're like organizing all of their house like by colors and coordination it was like all these like very specific questions and things and she said I had to resource with some of my colleagues back and forth back and forth back and forth back and forth and during the testing Junie asked me what time it was she said in a one hour increment 18 times she asked me what time is it what time is it and Junie does that she's a I call it a fixator. She fixates and she fixates and she still does it. She fixates on things and her attention was having a really hard time. And ever since Junie was old enough to walk around, she spins and she does this very, it's like so sweet and endearing. And she cocks her head to the right side, right shoulder, right ear to right shoulder. And then she kind of lets that right arm float to the ground where the left one soars and then she spins and she still does it and she spins and she spins and she spins and it's like her processing it's her way of feeling and absorbing and she doesn't just like do it all the time she's not just like "Ah," spinning but it's whenever she's feeling the urge and when she was little she would just do it off and on and so that was kind of one of the things was the spinning and that helps her find her balance and her grounding and and when dr liz started talking about autism and the things. And then she, and then I said, I think I was like, so do you think, I think I even asked like, so do you think Junie has autism? And I remember Dr. Liz said, yes, I do. And I just like, (gasps) I don't know what it was, but I just like, just started bawling and I was just bawling. And I think it's just like that, that like line, that determining factor of like, definitely my child is so different from other kids she's now she has this label this definition of who she is and I think that was like the fear and the sadness and I was sitting by Rex and it was one of his like most spectacular husband moments and he was sitting beside me like very stoic I wrote about this in my book and this seated figure four with his hand on his chin and as soon as I started crying he sat up and he just swooped his arm around my side and he pulled me in and he said June is just June. We want her to live her best life. And I'm just like <gasps> bawling. And I could tell that he was feeling my sadness, but he just like said everything that I felt. And then it just like, it didn't matter that that woman just said my daughter has autism and, or she's, this is one thing that Junie and I like to say is that people don't have anything. You're not like you have this. Cause that just sounds like a plague, a just like bad yucky vibe so we say people experience so we say you're experiencing autism you're experiencing whatever 
You're experiencing a lack of focus right now. You're experiencing dyslexia or Milo. Now we're finding out is experiencing dyslexia and it's all of these things with Junie are so much more severe. And Milo just has this one little kaleidoscope piece, this dyslexia piece, but it also is really cool because I feel like in a way that that can help them kind of relate to each other, even though Milo and Junie's relationship is really not melding right now. They're really fighting all of the time and they're bashing heads and Milo thinks she's so embarrassing and it's really sad to me, but I can't control their relationship. Obviously I can say, be kind to each other and you don't get to talk to each other that way. And he calls her mean names and says mean things. And the other day he was his favorite thing right now. Milo is calling everyone an idiot. And that's something that just like drives me crazy. I'm like Milo, you may be thinking that you're an idiot, but you are not an idiot. You are not stupid. You are very smart. It is definitely not okay for you to call your sister an idiot. And then I have to remind him of all of her, like all of those things. Like if someone called her an idiot, you would go pound the crap out of them. You would not be okay with that. So you do not need to be okay with calling her names and hurting her feelings because she did not choose her brain. She did not choose the way she processes information. Just like we're finding out with you, Milo, that your brain works differently too. And you didn't choose that, but you're doing the best you can with it. And so that's where my job as a mom comes in and I can correct and like, no, it is not okay to call each other an idiot. Like that is like a, was a, like a huge, huge trigger for me. And then I remember after that meeting, uh, we were down in the valley. I think we actually still lived down in the valley. We did. We still lived down in Fort Collins where her testing was. And Rex has always worked up in Estes Park. So he, we give hugs and kisses and he was like, it's going to be okay. Like this is, again, we got that information to help Junie with school. And so then in her IEP, then they could really write in like, yes, her brain is dyslexic. So now she can really work on this really special way of reading that is geared towards kids with dyslexia, which is like such a freaking gift, such a gift. And same thing with Milo. That is the whole intention is to, okay, now with this information, we're going to help you how your brain works and not how everyone else is because your brain doesn't work like the kid who sits next to you. And if the kid who sits next to you, if she turns her paper in really fast, you don't have to just really quick zoom through and put A, B, C, D, whatever, like slow down, be where you are. And that's the beauty of, again, these like labels the special needs or dyslexia or autism or whatever the label may be that these labels help us understand and they're just giving us an understanding and when we can switch it in our minds. And so back to that day driving, I was driving actually to my sister's house and of course I like call my sisters right away and they were together luckily. And I like, I think somehow we patched each other through and I told them about the, all of the other things and intellectual disability, which I don't quite understand. I didn't at the point. I do now. I have a lot more deeper understanding and acceptance. And my one sister was like, I don't, don't know if I resonate with that. And I was like, that's fine. Take or leave it. You don't have to resonate with anything. Again, if a doctor diagnoses your kid with something and you don't resonate, that's fine. But then I got to the part about the autism. And of course, I just started breaking down. And my sisters being my sisters were like, that is, it's going to be okay. Like it's, it's going to be okay. She's still the same person. And then I just said, I need this moment to just grieve. Like, I just need to grieve this. 
I just need to cry and I need to feel sad right now. And that's okay. I'm not going to feel sad forever, but I need to just grieve this and feel sad. And they were like being so wonderful. And, and then I got off the phone with them because I was actually headed to one of their houses. And then I got on the phone and called my dad and my mom and I told him, and my dad really is like, everyone's different. It's fine. And he was really the one that was like, that's just a label. It's just a word. Words only give you the power that you give them. Words only hold the power that you give them. And it was like, ah, so true. So words only hold a power that we give them. And so you label autism and then you see it like this, oh my gosh, horrendous thing where you see it as this beautiful gift, this beautiful, unique gift of this human that no one sees the world like this human. No one processes the world like this girl especially with all of these other segments and components, like no other mind is this mind. And that goes for anyone, whether or not diagnosed with special needs or not. We all have special needs. We all are special. And it was interesting in that meeting yesterday with Milo, with Milo's team of people and about how like there's these different plans like this one is 504 plan for just like implementing kind of like help into the classroom and there's like these different things that they can give him abilities I don't know why the word is totally escaping me the the individual education plan every kid needs an individual education plan every kid learns so differently it is hard for one teacher to teach one way to all of these different minds because again all of our minds are special and when I was sitting in that meeting and the main woman who was in charge of the meeting said well what are your biggest concerns and why are those your concerns and I was sitting there and it's so interesting I'm I'm confident talking around people I used to not be and then I became a waitress and that helped me gain confidence and then through my first yoga teacher training I just had to drop into like, I'm comfortable talking around people and then doing women's retreats and women's circles and just like the spotlight is not just on you. You're just talking to, it's just like talking to one person, but you're talking to several people and they're all just people just like you and I. We're all just people. And when I'm talking and I was saying, well, my daughter has dyslexia and I think that I have dyslexia too, but I've learned how to cope and grow with it and meld with it. And then I cheered up for a moment (laughs) because the other, on Sunday, Milo was getting in trouble for being a turd. And I was going to, I had a phone call with my dad and he was like, don't make me talk to Grampy. I don't want to talk to Grampy. But he like respects my dad. He respects my dad so much. He would never cuss or be disrespectful in front of my dad. But in front of me, he is like a turd even though all these teachers are saying these wonderful things around him. And then he like curls up in a ball and Rex had just got home. He's like, can we go to my room? And so we go in his room and I'm sitting on the floor and he is like five foot six and a half, almost five foot seven. I'm five foot nine. So he's really only like two and a half inches shorter than me at 10 years old. He's almost 11. He is, he was just like started sobbing. And then he curled up and he came and sat on my lap and he pressed his side of his forehead against my heart. And he was like, school is just so hard. It's so hard. And I just was asking him, well, what's so hard? What is it? Math. Math is so hard. And I said, well, what's happening with math? Why is it so hard? It's like, it's so hard. I don't understand it. It's so confusing. It's so boring. 
And then his grampy asked for him to do homework before he talked to him. And he said, Milo, I want you to research and I want you to write down what the word respect means. Like, what does respect mean to you? What does it mean to be respectful? And so Milo was getting so upset that he had to do that in the first place. So I had to sit with him and I had to Google, what does respect mean? We found a few things, some resonated and others didn't. And then I got him a piece of paper and a red pen and he's like trying to write out what it means. And I'm like looking at it and it just, his little brain, it just sometimes like the word with and it, he put like it inside of with. And then the punctuation, he doesn't really understand his eyes. I don't think his eyes see where the sentence needs to end. And maybe the sentence is moving. It almost seems like when Milo's writing, it's like, I feel like it's like this wavy ocean and it's like, he can't gain control of it. And it's like, it makes so much sense. And we're sitting there and he's curling up and then he's like, I can't even read my own handwriting. And then of course I like start tearing up a little bit and then I mama up and like, I said, buddy, it's okay. He's like, well, I'm supposed to read my handwriting to Grampy and I can't even read it. And he's just was like sobbing and I'm like trying to hold it together. And I'm like, and it was just like this, like very vulnerable, like sad moment where I, I allowed myself sadness, but then I found strength and I felt so much compassion for my son because I remember being a kid who struggled so bad and I didn't feel like really anyone understood my brain and how it worked. And I never got the help that I needed because I moved so much. And instead of jumping to that victim, why me, why him mentality, it was like, no, what are we going to do now? And then so Milo did have to face his fear and he had to have this big talk with his grampy. And I, when his grampy asked him, Milo, what does respect mean? And then he went to reach for the paper and I said, no, Milo, in your own words, tell us what respect means in your own words. What does it mean? And he goes, well, I think respect, well, what respect means is like when my mom's teaching a yoga class, I'd be respectful to her and I respect her. And then he's like, well, well, how do you, what does that really mean? And then he like dove deeper. He dove like deeper into what respect was. And he goes, well, is respect something that you turn on and off? Because you can be respectful at school, you'd be respectful for your wrestling coach, but are you being respectful at home? And he goes, well, yeah, you can turn it on and off. And my dad was like, oh, he's just this stoic, like very prominent, amazing, confident man. He said, no, you don't turn respect off. It's something that always is. It always is. And Milo's one definition of respect was that whether or not you agree with somebody or not, it's you can agree to disagree, but you can still respect that person and you can be an honorable person inside of your own self and you can still respect them and it doesn't belittle them or yourself, make you right or them wrong or them right or you wrong. It just is. It just is. And what my dad was getting at was that Milo turns it on at school. His teachers turns it on for his coach. When he comes home, he just lets it all hang out. He lets... All of his emotions just splay open. And so in a way, we're helping him, guiding him towards this self-control, this way of not being so angry all of the time, because he'll wake up in the mornings just angry and yelling and name calling and so rude. And then he slams the door when he gets to school and then walks off. And it's like every day. It was every day last week. It was horrible. It was a horrible week. Last week was like, one of my most trying mom weeks. And then I was finding out all this stuff about Milo's brain. And I was really in this like stuck feeling 
sad for myself and then like I'm a terrible mom like oh my god what I'm doing is not helping it's not working and then it was like it all turned around it was like I had this beautiful talk with Milo on the floor and I was talking to him about how we're finding out your brain is different and then we're learning how to work with it and in the meanwhile before Christmas break even we had in the making to set up this meeting but I didn't hear anything back because life got busy and then not yesterday, but the day before I get a email saying, or no, was it a phone call? I don't know. Phone call or email. We literally set up the meeting in one day. We made it happen in one day. It was like, I was like putting it out into the universe. Like we're going to help support Milo and get him what he needs. And then it just like happened. We ha- I had this beautiful breakthrough talk with Milo. Like this week it's not perfect, but it's going so much better. It's so much smoother because I'm like bringing Milo's awareness to the way he's treating other people and to like not take anger out on other people. The anger isn't you, Milo. It's not me. When anger comes, you can choose to fire it out at your family members or you can choose to transmute it, move that energy. Ah, And it's just been, it's been so much calmer and oh my gosh, I just like, I had like the best night ever with Milo last night. We were laying in bed and Rex has been away on a ski trip. He gets home tonight. And we were like laying there and Jack, so Jack has like a twin bunk bed on the left of the room and it's just like this little short bunk bed and he was already in bed. I had snuggled him. And then to the far right of the room, Milo has a loft bed that's a full bed and underneath are like bookshelves and a big desk and then a big ladder. And it's tall. Like the bed is like taller than my head. Like if he sits up, he almost hits his head. Like he will chop. He has chopped his head on the ceiling fan. Like it's super high, which Milo loves. And so I climb up and I snuggle my kids each every night. And I'm just laying in bed with him, holding him and snuggling him. And then he's like, okay, mom, for real, my birthday is in a month and a half. And I really want a bearded dragon. Like really, like he's been talking about this bearded dragon and lizards creep me out, but he like loves them. So I'm, I'm trying to keep open to what he wants because I do remember this like wonderful thing about my birth mother that she would let me have cats like I would get a cat. I've had, I had two cats growing up and then I also had a guinea pig. And I thought that was so wonderful because I loved pets and I loved being able to take care of something outside of myself. It like really gave me a sense of self-worth. And in a way I know this could help Milo, but I also don't want to be stuck with cleaning a lizard and lizards creep me out and I don't want to touch a lizard. I don't want it running on my carpet. I don't want it in his bed, all the things we live in the mountains. So realistically he could probably only take it outside like four months out of the year he like has this dream to put it on a leash and go for a walk with this lizard and have it like crawl on his shoulder and sit on his head I'm like that's so gross but and again I don't want to take this away from him but we were like laying in bed and then I just started being goofy and then we started laughing and then we just started going and like lizard licking each other like on the cheek like really fast like like darting at each other and then we would snuggle and then one of us would And then we were just like laughing. And instead of sometimes at nighttime, anxiety just like plagues me. And I get this like subconscious programming of like, you're a bad mom if your kids don't get enough sleep. Oh God, they need to go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep. And then I'll freak out on them. But I was not, I've been really mindful of being a calm bedtime mom because that's one of my things that I'm working on is just calming the bed space because Really, who wants to be yelled at and screamed at right before bedtime? That's like the worst time to yell because then you're feeling scared. And especially my kids, I don't want to put them there. And there was, I feel like I have had 
so much healing energy between me and Milo and I, and it is amazing. And I am in this moment, I'm so grateful for it. So I'm grateful for this pain. I'm grateful for the grief. I'm grateful for the growth. I'm just, I'm really, I'm grateful for it all, even in moments when it's really hard because it's hard to be a mom. No one tells you really how hard it's going to be to be a mom. And once you think you have it all figured out, it's like you don't because everything shifts and changes. And these kids are just like growing so much. And I say like physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, they're growing all of the things. Like Milo's so big on the outside, but he's also growing so much on the inside. And he's such a wonderful, wonderful human. And he's turning into such a wonderful young man. And sometimes I focus on all the bad that he isn't doing. And it was such this beautiful awakening to be so fully immersed in the moment when I was sitting with that group of, I'm trying to think of one, two, three, four, five, six teachers, principal, and myself. And just to hear all of these wonderful things about my son, this boy that I've raised for the last 10, almost 11 years with my husband, that we're doing a good job. We're doing a fucking And that even when I don't feel like a good mom, I am a good mom. I'm such a good mom. I really am such a great mom and I don't give myself enough credit. And so for all the mommies, the mamas out there, I really implore you to know that you are doing the best that you can and that you are a good mom. Like I am a good mom. Say it to yourself. I am a good mom. And if you're not a mom, maybe you can just put that healing energy out because anytime we move and work towards things like this, we are healing the collective consciousness of the planet. And all of us were born from mothers. I am a good mom. And even our birth parents, if they did not do a great job and we feel robbed or had really traumatizing childhoods, our moms, they were really just doing the best that they could. And maybe we could just set that out into the universe that you are a good mom. You are a good mom. And we can forgive And we can clear and transmute through all time, space, reality, and dimension any programming or thoughts that say that we're not good enough or we're not worthy enough because we are. Because you are worthy. You are a worthy human. And being a mom every day is so different and it's so trying. And especially if you have multiple children, you will freaking know. You will know that it is like, Woo! In in these moments, it can perhaps give us compassion for our parents. And I know that I was one of five girls growing up and I had three stepbrothers. And I could imagine having five kids. I only have three. I only have three. And I imagine I have a girlfriend. She has five kids. Five. And my sister, Jenny, has four just for, and it's like to try to meet each and every one of your kids exactly where they are and knowing that we can't always be perfect. We're never meant to be perfect. As I say in my book, we're, per- we're meant to be perfectly imperfect. We're all just perfectly imperfect creatures. And it's okay to be exactly where you are. It's okay to be exactly where you are on this perfectly imperfect journey. And truly my beautiful friends, just embracing us, ourselves, our children, our spouses. Acceptance is such a huge thing to accept, to just accept, accept. Do you ever just accept where you are or do you fight it? Do you push it off? I know often I 
push it off. And I really have been working on acceptance for myself, acceptance for my husband, huge one, acceptance for my kids. But it has to start here first. It has to start within us. We must accept ourselves for who we are and where we are. And even if we're not exactly where we thought we would be, just take a moment to just like almost like close your eyes and blink and see on the screen, the eye of your mind, I can see my life unfolding or maybe in like those tiny little picture collages and all of your journey that has brought you to today for all of those hard, challenging, painful experiences for all the suffering, for all the fit physical pain, the mental pain, the emotional pain, and knowing that it's all really brought us here and that the time is it's now and it's showing up now for today, right? And then doing it again tomorrow and again tomorrow. And sometimes that's showing up. Like I know on the weekends, I like to just like do nothing. I like to sit, be in my jammies with my kids. Like my kids are like, what are we doing today? I'm like, hmm, how about nothing? How about we just like stay home and make food and clean and just be together? How about we just do that? Like instead of, I know my husband is such a go-getter and he's such an extrovert and he like always wants to plan things and go places. And I have to actually like make myself do those things. Like I have to be like, okay, yes, you are going to go do this. Yes. Cause I am this creature of inward habit. And so a lot of times too, it's doing stuff at home for myself and it's reading books or journaling or whatever it is, whatever it is with that accepting heart. And as a mom, as a human on this planet, forgiveness is our gateway to healing and knowing that healing is a journey. It's not an end point. And I'm really excited because I am in the midst of creating my Awaken You 21 practices to awaken you. I am working on collaborating my website and I'm going to offer the first three practices, like the first few minutes so you can kind of see the way I teach and see the vibe of it. And I'm going to be offering it as a course, like kind of like a bundle that you can purchase and you can have it at your own leisure and you can take these 21 practices because the brain says, studies, research say that it takes our brain 21 days to kind of adopt something as who we are and actually can take 45 days, sometimes 90 days, which sounds like crazy, but really three months to replace old habits for new habits. So I'm very excited because inside of this practice that I'm creating, there's going to be so many amazing pieces that are going to help us awaken and help us embrace ourselves, help us forgive ourselves. Because there are moments where we freak out and say things that we don't really mean, especially on our kids and moments where I freak out and maybe do or say something to my children. I'm like, God, that was terrible. I was really not showing love. I do it to my husband a lot too. I'll get annoyed because he's out working all day and then he comes home and then I'm feeling kind of cranky and tired and I passive aggressive and then be mean to him. And it's like, "Mm, that was not my best self, Shelly. I forgive you. I forgive you. And then I try again. And the thing about forgiveness is, is that it can happen anytime and anywhere. You don't have to go anywhere to look for it. It happens here within this moment, within your heart. And a great start is just that affirmation or that mantra. I forgive you. Hand on the heart. I forgive you. I do it a lot at bedtime. I lay in my bed. And so that is going to be our self-care practice. We already did that beautiful grounding and rooting and heart connecting practice at the beginning of the podcast and your practice for tonight when you go to bed 
Would you put a hand on your heart or both hand on, hands on your heart? All the things, the screens off, the TV off, get the phone out of your room. Maybe if you have your little calm meditation or white noise, a background noise, and just breathe into your hearts and just say, I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you. I am forgiveness. I am forgiveness. And repeat that. And it might sound a little interesting of like, why would I repeat that? So words are vibrational. They actually, they hold, right? So like, didn't we talk about earlier in the story about my daughter, what my dad said is words hold the power that we give them. And so forgiveness can be one of those words. I feel like when I first started practicing, that brought up a lot of shame and guilt and even resentment. Like, ugh, how could I forgive them? How could I forgive them? But forgiveness is for you. It's not for them. And forgiveness for yourself and even when it comes to others, it doesn't say that anything that has happened in your life is like okay or condone people's crappy behavior or anything. It doesn't negate anything that has happened as your experience. It doesn't take it away. It is healing at this deeper vibrational, spiritual, emotional level that this forgiveness has been studied upon all across the planet. It really has, especially this one study that stands out to me from Joe Dispenza. And I wrote about this also in my book and the practice of the practice of waking up your spiritual self or spiritual heart. I can't remember. And this woman, they were hitting the, they were testing people's like brain waves in meditation. And this woman kept just like hitting the highest brain state of like the deepest theta meditational brain state. And at the end of the meditation, they asked her, how did you do that? How did you keep hitting those levels? And she said, I was trying to forgive him. I was trying to forgive the bastard. I was trying to forgive my ex-husband. She was trying to forgive him, but she was putting that energy, that vibration, which transmutes into a frequency because we are all vibrational beings. Everything is energy. Everything is always vibrating. And so remembering that words hold the power that we give them. So when we can intend to heal, when we can intend to forgive, that it's only a matter of time that it comes to fruition. And when we repeat, I I forgive you. I am forgiveness. I forgive you. I forgive over, over and over. The more times we say it, the more apt we are to allow that to become a part of who we are, to allow that actual energy to melt into us, right? So being so intentional with your words, so intentional with who you are, so intentional with your labels and remembering my beautiful soul sisters that words only hold the power that we give them. So what do you choose? What type of words do you choose to house within your sacred temple, within your sacred vessel of your mind that transmutes into your body and transmutes deeper at a soul level. Mm. And I'm so grateful because if you really do want to help shift and transform, transmute, change, heal yourself, I actually just made a second gratitude or not gratitude. It's more of like a, it's called positive, powerful morning affirmations listen to for 21 days. And I also have another one that's just gratitude affirmations. 
And so these are going to be on Awaken You Yoga and Healing Center. I actually just changed. My page has evolved and shifted and expanded, but it just feels like it's more encumbering everything when Awaken You Yoga and Healing Center feels really good. It feels really like, yes, this is direct. This is exactly what my channel is all about. This is what I'm all about. And I am actually going to share here as one of the podcast episodes so you can easily access it. And it will just be the audio of the positive, powerful morning affirmations. And it's actually short. It's only 15 minutes. So you have 15 minutes. I say to be leery on your screens when you first wake up, but if you could pop just your earbuds in and kind of try to detour everything else, you can even like make it easier and download it onto your phone phony phone. I know my phone, I can like download my podcasts on my podcast app. I like the iTunes or the Anchor app or Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts. That actually I think is a website, but I don't know if I do that one or not. Uh, but you can listen and start reprogramming your mind. Start putting positive, powerful meaning into the words that you're thinking that will transmute into how you're feeling. Because what we do with affirmations is we're reprogramming our subconscious mind. We're creating new neural pathways into the brain. So when you create a new neural pathway, you can move through those negative old programmings, those thoughts which transmute into our beliefs, and you're reprogramming them with positive thoughts that transmutes into a positive way of thinking. Our thinking transmutes and directly correlates into how we're feeling and are what our mood is. So if you are struggling with anxiety and overwhelm or panic, I really encourage you to notice what you're thinking about. Are you always worrying? Are you always doubting? Are you always fearing? Are those always taking you over? If the answer is yes, that is fine. We have all been there. We all have days like that. So that's why it's so powerful to have a plan and action when you're having those days where it's like, I can't help myself. That's why I'm in this field, this self-help, this self-help, personal growth, spiritual field, because we all need to help each other. We are a collective on this planet. And if we can't help pick each other up when the other is down, then what the frick is the point of this planet? We are here to help each other up, sisters, to be these beacons of light. And so I really encourage you to really put that powerful intention, that powerful thought into what you're thinking. And again, you can listen to this. I'm going to upload it here today. So there's no excuses, no more excuses of why you're feeling shitty and why you can't feel better because you can feel better. There's always something that we can do, but we have to take action because if we just sit and we mope and blah, 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 we're going to feel worse and worse and worse. But if we begin our healing journey now, if we make a stand for ourselves, if we take time to practice self-care, then everything can shift. I feel so passionate. I feel so inspired about this because really that is what I was put here on this planet to do, to uplift you, to inspire you. I love you so much. Please share this episode with someone that you love, someone maybe who's struggling or someone who maybe you would think of, maybe I don't know if this person would listen, but I'm going to just share. Please, please share. I love you and please join me on now Awaken You Yoga and Healing Center on YouTube. And I actually have this beautiful 15-minute morning yoga stretch that you can do to just put your body feeling good. And there is over 500 classes on there. I have some really old, old videos that aren't classes, but it's just where my journey started. And I just 
I can't like bring my heart to delete them. So it's kind of fun. Junie and I were watching old videos and my kids were like tiny little tots. They were so little when I first started five years ago, five years ago. It just shows that with time, time just passes. So what are you going to do with your time? Imagine yourself in five years. Where are you going to be in five years? If you're like, me, I have no idea. I don't think that far in advance. Think about it. See yourself. Where do you want to be in five years? I want to be sharing all over the globe. I want to be teaching international yoga. And maybe it is having my physical healing center. And maybe it's just creating and growing this healing center online where people can bring healing into their own space, bring yoga bring manifestation, bring thought alignment, be a thought leader, a thinker, thinker leader, all these amazing things. We have to put it out into the universe because manifestation, it starts, my darlings, within here. It starts within that dream. And know that the universe is always giving us ideas and these thoughts of bigger things. Maybe if you could start questioning, like, why did the universe show this to me? Mm, because the universe thought that maybe you were the right soul, the right body in this life to bring that to fruition. Mm -hmm. If you have these big dreams, I just implore you, I encourage you to start taking the small steps. And no matter how big, how small, if it's for me, if it's teaching a yoga class online, if it's just setting up a yoga space in my living room and setting up my iPhone and recording a class, then just putting it out. And who knows? Who knows who is going to watch it and who knows whose life that you could change and transform by sharing your experiences, by sharing your gifts and knowing that your gifts are those abilities that maybe you've worked a little bit on, but they also come natural because I don't, I never thought I would be a yoga teacher and I'm definitely not this huge flexible person who can do all these crazy backbends and whatnot, but when it comes to teaching and connecting with people, oh, sister, my heart is in it and it feels good. What are those things that just light you up that feel incredible? Those are the things. Those are your gifts. Those are the, the reasons why you're here. Those could be your purpose that maybe you're like, what is my purpose? I don't know what it is. Help guide me. What is it? Mm, those are those things. They're already here. It's just a matter of you taking the step. And even if it's a baby step, sometimes it's one step forward and three step back, steps back. That's okay. Sometimes it's that self-doubt that gets in the way, but we are the only person getting in our way. So it's time, my beautiful sisters, to get out of your own way and just leap. I don't mean really jump off a building. I mean free fall. I mean fly into the universe. Take a chance on yourself because you never know whose life that you will impact. You'll never know the opportunities that lie ahead of you if you don't take the step. I love you. You can do hard things by actually doing them. I am so grateful for you. And please, my lovelies, leave Awaken You with Shelly Bond a five-star rating and a review. It means the universe to me. And also, yes, check out those classes, Awaken You Yoga and Healing Center with Shelly on YouTube. Catch me on Instagram, Awaken You Shelly Bond. I'm also thinking about getting on TikTok, but it's also terrifying. And I am just, I'm doing the things. So the things that scare us are the things that we need to do the most. I love you. I'm so grateful for you. And I will be back here hanging out with you next week.